I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Elena Percival, CEO of Women Who Code. Women Who Code is a nonprofit global organization dedicated to inspiring women to excel in technology careers. In this episode, Elena explains how Women Who Code grew from a meetup group to a global organization that has connected over 80,000 women. We also talked about building an organization that focuses on women that already have careers in technology and engineering and why this focus is important. Elena also explains how being accepted to Y Combinator in 2016 has helped women who code. Here at Women Who Code with Elena Percival. Elena, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Women Who Code is a nonprofit dedicated to motivate women in the technology field to excel in their careers. How is it different than other organizations? Um, women Who Code, where our focus is helping women succeed in their technology careers, because we envision a world where women are representative at executive level in engineering roles, in the boardroom, in um, the C-suite, and most importantly, are you know by starting out focusing on seeing women representative as software engineers. And we're different because we're focused at that mid to senior career level. We're really helping to uh, support women in industry. And then we produce a tremendous amount for free. So we're doing 1,500 free technical events on average. So that's... um, Sorry, on average annually, uh, if you look at those numbers, that's um, equaling four per day, four free events happening around the world on average. And so, um, one, it's 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 free. It's um, targeting a, a more unique group. So we're with you year-round throughout the year, supporting you in your career as as your community. And um, and then it's also the the piece where um, we try and lower the barrier to women not only participating in our own programs, but participating in the broader tech community. So we have a, a weekly newsletter that we call the Code Review, and that goes out. Um, this year we've already given away over $500,000 in educational scholarships. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and um, hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend hackathons and conferences because we want to encourage women to not only participate in our community, but um, get out there and make the connections they need to make in the broader tech community and learn the things that they need to learn to help them succeed yeah. in their careers. One of the things that I particularly like of that newsletter is that in addition to featuring the events, there's also a highlight of somebody that did something good or how they improved. Yeah. So this this is twofold. Is um, We have a lack of mentors, but the reality is there's a lot of or mentors and role models uh, for women in tech, but the reality is there are a lot of extremely talented women who are very successful in the tech industry. And so one, we want to raise their profile. And then on the flip side is it's 
extremely uncomfortable for women to talk about their career successes. And it's also a little uncomfortable for society to hear us do it. And so we have a thing called Applaud Her because we want to have a subtle cultural shift that encourages women to celebrate their career successes. And I realized how important this was when I was speaking to a director of engineering at a major tech company. And she said, you know, Elena, that, that's actually true. Um, I'm senior director of engineering now, and I've been too embarrassed to put it on my LinkedIn profile. Wow. My jaw hit the floor, and I yeah. just realized that, hey, that means you don't know to interview her. I don't know to have her come and speak at an event. You know, someone else doesn't know to invite her to be on their board. And if we're doing this every step of the way throughout our careers, we're being held back. And that a subtle cultural shift can help us um, move forward yeah. much faster. That's awesome. And I can relate a lot to that mm -hmm. because the reason I started this podcast was because I noticed that And even women used to say, I got invited to a conference, but I have to speak about women in tech. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to be a woman in tech? So I started this to get women to talk about the products they work on instead. Yeah, um, actually, while, you know, our company name is Women Who Code, we try to minimize how frequently we use women or female in any other language that the company puts out there because our members are engineers. They're not women engineers. They're engineers who happen to be women. And that is something that we definitely want to be moving forward on and moving. Yeah, same with me. The show is the women in tech show, but the spin is women talking about products and technology. One of the things that I also like is that I, throughout uh, my career and the years in college, I did notice group surfacing, but it's more of getting... Uh, kids involved, young women, uh, teenagers involved in tech versus women who code that started off focusing on the people that are already in tech. Why was that important? Um, I mean, women are dramatically underrepresented um, in technical roles in the tech industry and in the broader tech industry in general, and even more underrepresented in executive and technical executive roles. And so we choose to see that as an opportunity. Um, the tech industry needs more software engineers, and these are some of the best jobs, the highest paying jobs, the most flexible jobs. They're the jobs of the future. Every industry is becoming a technology industry, and so women deserve access to these jobs as well. And what we saw is while women were already entering the tech industry at a lower percentage than men, which women aren't a minority, so there's not a reason for that to happen, um, they were also leaving the tech industry at a higher rate than they were leaving other industries and other careers. And that also shouldn't be happening because it's actually an even better career Um, than many other careers out there for women. And so what we want to do is support women um, in that mid-career space and help them to achieve the more and more senior roles. So the way, one of the ways in which Women Who Code tackles the re how to retain women in tech is by having them in this network where they see people that are similar to them. Yeah, it's a sense of belonging. Um, domain specific skill building so 
hey, you're a Java engineer. You've been meaning to learn Android. We're creating a space for you to do that. We're giving you the tools to help you do that. Um, and then three, non-domain specific skills. Um, you know, leadership, um, speaking opportunities help you to um, slightly shift to um, building your raising your profile as a software engineer. And these are things that are going to help you get promoted. Um, so one of the things that I see, um, I'm currently on Microsoft. The, the job levels are software engineering, then senior, then principal. And we have a table of the characteristics of each one. And then principal is you communicate effectively, you explain things to others. So if you're a woman and you're quiet and you're an excellent coder, to, you need to work on communication skills to reach to a principal level. Exactly. Um, one of my favorite examples is um, one of our leaders in Atlanta, and she's a badass software engineer, master's degree, kind of inside of the box person that um, anyone would want to hire, but incredibly shy. Um, at her first event, she had trouble saying her name to a group of very friendly people, and by stepping up as a leader with women who code, she shifted to being a leader in the tech industry. And within one year, she didn't even apply. She was invited to speak at a tech conference and gave a tech talk to a standing room only crowd. And that process completely changes the trajectory of your career, where you're someone um, who's behind the scenes to someone who you know, maybe isn't naturally interested in it or naturally great at it, but someone who is able to learn the skills and really, like, rock it and stand up and uh, be a leader in the tech industry and then, in turn, become a role model for other women and, in her case, other women of color. How did the network of Women Who Code get started? Um, Women Who Code originally started off as a meetup group in uh, San Francisco, yeah. And for the first year, it was kind of like our little secret and this amazing community where um, we were coding together. And then about a year and a half later, myself and a couple other people were like, hey, you know, the rest of the world deserves to have this too. Um, and actually, at first, we were like, okay, we need to find someone to get this started somewhere else. And actually, our first um, international city was in Mexico. Um, yeah, so that was one of the first places that we expanded to. Um, and as soon as we started to expand to cities, um, it was inbound. And ever since then, we've had trouble just keeping up with the demands because even right now we have um, about 40 cities on the wait list to get launched. Oh, wow. And after that, has it been mostly organic growth, word of mouth? or? Um, yeah, after that, then um, there's been mostly inbound requests for, for growing. Um, and then in 2013, we... Uh, filed for nonprofit status. So today, Women Who Code is a legal organization, a 501c3 nonprofit. And how does having a nonprofit differ from running a for-profit business? So I highly recommend, if you're interested in starting a company, to start a for-profit company. Oh. Um, from our perspective, um, 
we can't take venture capital money, um, so we can't take a funding round, and we have a lot of restrictions and uh, regulations around reporting that for-profit companies don't have. And so while we do get some benefits, um, you know, when we do things, we often ask for a nonprofit discount, and sometimes, you know, there's a 10% discount in there for nonprofits and stuff like that. Um, but I highly recommend uh, building a mission-driven for-profit as opposed to a nonprofit. And now that we talked about venture capitalists, I thought about women who go got accepted by Y Combinator. For, for the listeners that don't know what Y Combinator is, can you briefly explain? Yeah, um, Y Combinator is one of the most prestigious, they don't call themselves this, but the public generally calls them an accelerator. And so they invest in batches of companies and over a three-month period takes them through uh, a growth and training and mentorship period to help them set up for success and fundraising following that. And so in the past couple of years, um, Y Combinator has started also funding nonprofits. So they find nonprofits that they think have the most potential in the world, and they invest, of course, as a donation, not as a as a um, equity investment, um, into the nonprofits. And so, we had uh, two other amazing nonprofits participating with us this summer. It was uh, Vote. Dot org, who um, they are working to uh, in- increase voter turnout and also new incentives. And they are um, incentivizing women in Africa to have children in a clinic, which dramatically increases the likelihood of the child surviving. Wow. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to highlight about Y Combinator is that it's been known for making tech companies successful. So Dropbox came out of that, Airbnb. What do you think is the impact that now they started taking on nonprofits? What, what is the benefit there? That- I mean, the, the benefit there is, is very similar. They spend a lot of time uh, and have a lot of expertise in making decisions around companies and teams that they think they can believe in. Uh, They make those decisions and nurture those companies. But in doing that, they are saying to the world, hey, nonprofits are also important. Like creating an impact in the world is also important. And not only that, but these are some of the best companies that you can be donating to or, you know, putting effort into. And so just like, I, I mean, I certainly hope that Women Who Code is, is the next Airbnb. Yes. <laughs> Are there any uh, interesting growth strategies or hacks that you've learned while at YC? Um, I mean, there's, a, there's so many different things. And so if, if there's a specific question, I can probably like come up with one specifically to it. I know one that they really um, impress upon you um, is like increasing your goals. So whatever goal you're setting out for yourself, why is it not higher? What barriers can you reduce to increase that goal and meet that goal? And so that's, you know, one of the very important things. Another just it. Honestly, the YC community reminds me a lot of the Women Who Code community. They're taking extremely talented teams and individuals and 
giving them tools and encouragement and a space to succeed. That's exactly what Women Who Code does. Nothing that we do is beyond the ability of the individual who's attending a Women Who Code event. We're putting her in a place where she's having the community, the tools, and the space to achieve her goals and succeed. And did your idea of envision of Women Who Code change before and after Y Combinator? So our, our mission and vision is, um, has absolutely remained exactly the same. Um, one of the things that we really wanted to figure out while we were there is how we can make sure we're sustainable. We think that it's going to take more than just a couple of years to achieve our mission. And we need to make sure that Women Who Code is sustainable enough to last long enough to put ourselves out of business and that's that's our goal is to achieve our mission so we're no longer needed we want people to legitimately be able to say like oh why does this exist and that's because the numbers show it's not necessary yes yes definitely and i also spoke to kaylin hova and she mentioned uh, jobs portal is another way that people can interact with the community and engage with the Yeah, we, we definitely believe that if we can help companies be a better place for women, that we will achieve our mission much, much faster than supporting every single woman. That doesn't mean we're not going to stop supporting every single member, but if we can do both, then our trajectory for achieving our mission will, will happen faster. Are your key performance indicators based on the industry? Yeah, I mean, for, for us, it's a couple of different things. There's the, the community aspect, like what are the outcomes that we're seeing happen? Are our members having positive career impact? So um, we did a survey and 80% of our members reported a positive career impact. Tracking those individual stories, you know, did someone get a promotion? Did someone get the opportunity to speak at a conference? Did someone get a, a pay increase because she either learned something new or, you know, was brave and asked for that pay increase when she deserved it? So all of these different outcomes. And then there's more impact, which is long term. And that's seeing the number of women in the tech industry and hopefully the percentage of women in the tech industry creeping up because we, we definitely want to get to that 50-50 mark. Seeing the same with, you know, investors, with technical founders, with, with CEOs, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. You know, Women Who Code is about success and we're choosing that path to success through technology because we believe as all industries become technology industries, that more and more often the people at the highest roles in companies are going to have technical backgrounds. Yes, definitely. And throughout your years running Women Who Code, were there any surprising findings or patterns that you saw with the women involved? No, I would say one of the things that I noticed that I don't think is true is people often say, oh, I got confidence to do this. And I don't see that in our members. Like they use the word confidence, but it's not like they're not confident people. It's like more like, hey, could I do a backflip? Eh, I'm not that confident I could do a backflip. I mean, it's possible, maybe, but prob probably I'm just not that confident about it. 
but I'm a confident individual. And so it's, it's more people use the word in a way that to me makes our community seem weaker than we actually are. Like we are powerful, badass individuals that maybe just don't really feel comfortable and it's partially within the individual and it's partially because of society. And so we need to both get there. What are some of the improvements that you've seen as the Women Who Code Network has grown? An amazing conversation has come about. People weren't talking about this when Women Who Code got started. And then about a year into Women Who Code being around, the media started to really talk about teaching girls to code and teaching women to code, which is fantastic. That Those are very important part of the pipelines where girls or women are underrepresented and need to be addressed. That's not the one we're addressing. It doesn't mean we don't care about it. It's just, it's not the one that we're focused on. But what I saw was one of the things that our members were already concerned about and already made their career harder um, was people viewed them as more junior than they actually were. So you can imagine this is already an issue in the industry where women are leaving at a high rate and then the media is suddenly having this amazing conversation about teaching women to code. Yeah. And the woman who code member is like, I already know how to code. Yeah. And so we said, all right, we need to elevate this conversation to include women in industry. And so that's a shift that we said, oh my goodness, we need to be giving talks about this. We need to be in talking to the media. We need to be elevating this. We need to be talking to companies about how important this is. And you start to look at it three years later, and that conversation is happening inside of companies. It's happening now in the media. And certainly we are a piece of that progress, but that's like progress that completely fits within our mission and is what we've been working for. And I think it's incredibly important right now for people to see women in powerful leadership positions. And it's what you're saying, The lots of organizations focus on little girls because there are other problems like the toys, the TV, but like you said, tackling the women that are already in the street to remain there because then they eventually become the role models for the little girls. Exactly. I hear all the time where our members will be really talented at understanding the product and they'll say, oh, you know, maybe you should be a product manager or they'll be really talented at, you know, talking about the company and they'll be like, oh, well, you should go into marketing or they'll be really talented at talking to other engineers and they'll say, oh, you should be a recruiter. That would never happen to their male counterpart. All of those women should say, oh, so what you're saying is I'm twice as valuable. Why don't you pay me more? Yes, definitely. I like that. So uh, just to close off uh in what ways can we support the cause, the Women Who Code? Yeah, please um, go to womenwhocode.com, sign up for our code review. We have amazing um, uh, opportunities coming out every single week. And if Women Who Code has had an impact on your career or if it's had an impact on another woman that you know, please donate at womenwhocode.com. Mm. And for companies, is it a... By posting jobs in the jobs yes. portal? or Definitely. Um, if you are a company and looking to hire talented software engineers, post your jobs at womenwhocode.com. 
we also have higher tiers where we work closer with you to really achieve your goals and help you to understand best practices in, in the industry. And so whatever you're looking for, we we really want to help companies get there, but in a very authentic way where our, our members are the most important. And they can also partner with the, their local organization or local yes. women who code? Um, companies should uh, reach out to the local women who code networks and You know, if you have space, host an event that includes providing kind of food, space, internet. You always get a, a few minutes to say, hey, this is what our company is doing at, at the beginning of the event. And it, it really is how we're able to produce that 1,500 technical events because that's through the in-kind donations that we're Where that companies are, are contributing. Mm -hmm. Well, Elena, it was great talking to you here at Women Who Code. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thank you very much as well. 